Good morning. Uh, happy Easter to you all. I'll just get this up to my right height. Hey, my name's Luke. I'm one of the student ministers here. Uh, it's great to be with you today. Hey, keep that um, uh, open at page 942. We're going to look at that in just a moment, uh, but I'm going to pray for us first. Heavenly Father, we pray that today you would help us to understand this bit of the Bible that we've read. I pray you'd help us to understand about Easter, and I pray that you would change each of us to follow you. Amen. Well, sometimes I just wish there was a big reset button for the world. You know, it works so well for technology. Don't you wish you had something for life? Yeah, a few weeks back, the internet at our house suddenly died. I called up the help desk. What do they say? Push reset. I went and pushed the button and bam, the internet came back. We were saved. I could check Facebook again. Don't you wish you could just push reset on all the broken things in this world? You know, North Korea, South Korea, missile testing, reset. A unified, peaceful Korea. Uh, you know, your grandmother's vase, which you dropped, reset, fixed. Uh, that ongoing disagreement with your parents, reset. Uh, what you said to him, what you did to her, reset. Uh, wouldn't it be great to have a solution to the world's and our own problems? Well, guess what? There is a solution. God has provided a solution. But you might find it a little surprising. Uh, it's sort of like my iPhone. Uh, recently, my iPhone has started to have some issues. Uh, I'm really technologically challenged. Uh, and so last week, I went down to the Apple store. And uh, as I was talking to the people there, the advice I got was push reset. But I needed to do it properly. I needed to wipe everything and reset back to factory conditions. If I only did a partial reset, or if I tried to reinstall a backup, all I would be doing was putting the problems back into my phone. By going back to factory conditions, I was going back to before the problems came in. And if God were to you know, stop the tension between North and South Korea in an instant, uh, that would be terrific. But that would only be a temporary fix, a partial reset. You know, how long until some other country of the world ended up in tension? You know, Syria or something. God's solution goes a step further. It involves a reset back to factory conditions, and it has everything to do with Easter Sunday. To understand how this works, uh, today I'm going to look at the problem. It is an early problem, it's an ongoing problem, and then we're going to look at the Easter solution. The problem came in very early, right back at the creation of the world, actually. Uh, we heard about that in the first reading uh, that Susie read out. God had just created the world. The world was incredible and completely good. He then created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the lavish Garden of Eden. God gave them everything they needed. Everything was good. 
Uh, God had this incredible relationship with them. He was walking in the garden with them. And he only had one hard thing to say. He told them not to eat the tree, uh, the fruit of a, one particular tree. And, and even this warning, it was actually a good thing because he was warning them for their good. If they ate from this tree, they would die. But along comes the snake. Did God really say that? You'll not surely die. When you eat it, your eyes will be opened. You will become like God. And that temptation was too great for Eve and Adam, who was with her. The fruit looked good. Uh, The thought of being like God looked good. And so they rejected what God had said, and they ate. The problem came early, and the problem was sin. Uh, What Adam and Eve did, that shows us what sin is fundamentally. It is rejecting God and his way. It is making up our own minds to live lives our own way. Sin is rebellion against God. And God won't stand for it. Uh, God will judge people for how they have treated him. Uh, He is our creator who deserves our respect. And and on top of that, out of his love, he made us for a relationship with him. If we reject our creator God, he will punish us for our rebellion. Uh, We saw back in Genesis chapter 3, God punished Adam and Eve for rejecting him. Work became toil. Relationships became tricky. Pain, suffering, and death became a part of this world. The problem came early, and the problem was sin. The solution is going to require a reset back to factory conditions where there was no sin. Uh, And as you look throughout history, uh, we find this early problem is actually an ongoing problem. Uh, Human history is littered with war and violence, with disagreements and relationship breakdown, with sickness and with death. Every single person has died. Uh, This is a long, long way from the good world that God made at the beginning. Uh, Let me read for you the Apostle Paul's explanation for what happened. Uh, This is back on page 942, so please open that up if you've got a Bible there. Um, This comes just before the second Bible reading. It's part of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the church in Rome. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Sin came into the world through one man, Adam, And this spread to all mankind because every one of us sins. You know, if there's an error in the operating system, then there will be an error in every smartphone that runs on it. The early problem is an ongoing problem. And when we get to Romans chapter 6, which is our passage today, Paul says even more. He says we are all enslaved to sin. A slave has no freedom. Uh, They have no choice but to obey their master. Paul says that we are slaves to our master, 
sin. Our very nature is that we can't help but serve our master by sinning. We are not free to stop sinning. Uh, how do you feel uh, being told you're enslaved to sin? Uh, you know, I instantly think, you know, that can't be right. You know, sure, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. You know, I'm educated, I'm a good and upright citizen. But the question for all of us is, can we stop sinning? Uh, If I challenge you not to lie or hurt anyone else for the rest of this year, do you think you could do it? Uh, I I know I couldn't. Uh, I just got married this year and I've really been learning that I am not as perfect as I thought I was. Um, Well, you could interpret this by saying, well, you know, to err is human. Yeah, that's sort of right. But, But the Bible gives a more full explanation. To err is human because humanity is enslaved to sin. You can look at your life and think you are moral and upright and a good person. But yet at the same time, I'm sure that if we could go and we could record every one of your words, every one of your actions, every thought, every motivation, and then we could display it all up on the screen here for all of us here today to see, I'm not sure all of us would be as convinced as you are that you are this great, great person. And on top of that, where does God fit into the picture? Uh, Sin is fundamentally rebellion against God. What sort of relationship do you have with God? How close is it? Uh, Close enough to get invited to a a wedding reception? That close? Uh, The Bible sometimes talks about the day when Jesus comes back as a big wedding feast. Do you think God would invite you along? Uh, If you only came to church at Christmas and Easter and then ignored him for the rest of the year, if you only prayed to him only when you got stuck and you wanted him to come bail you out just before an exam or something, uh, if you are not really even sure that God exists and haven't really bothered to find out, well, if, if, if that describes your level of relationship with God, do you really think... He would invite you along. Would you invite someone along who treated you like that? No. If you're not someone who's actively following God, uh, listening intentionally to the Bible to learn about him, and spending your life trying to obey him, if you are not doing that, you are no friend of God. You might be moral and upright but you have rejected God and are living life your own way. You are a rebel, even if you wouldn't label yourself one. Sin is rebellion against God, and he won't stand for it. God will judge you for your rejection of him, and his judgment is eternal punishment in hell. The early problem is an ongoing problem, And it's slavery. Uh, The problem with being a slave is you can't free yourself. Um, You can try to run away, but I think history has shown that no one has succeeded from running away from the master sin. The only hope for humanity is for someone to set us free 
or else we've got to stay a slave until we die. The solution requires a reset back to factory conditions which will free you from slavery to sin. And God has brought that solution. The solution is what Jesus did at Easter. On Good Friday, Jesus was put to death on the cross. Though he was innocent, he died in our place. He took the punishment that we deserved on himself so that we could be forgiven and reconciled with God. And then on Easter Sunday, as we've heard this morning in the songs we've sung from the Bible that's been read out, Jesus came back to life. Resurrection can be a, a hard thing to accept. Uh, it certainly was for me uh, when I gave up being a Christian in my first year of university. Uh, there's a number of reasons why I stopped following Jesus, uh, but one of them was that I just wasn't sure it was all true. Um, resurrection from the dead does seem a bit fantastic. You know, if you went and told me that my grandmother uh, was raised from the dead today, I wouldn't believe you. Why then should I believe uh, someone who said the same thing happened 2,000 years ago in an age where people still believed in magic and evil spirits and gods? Uh, That's something I've really wrestled with. And when I came back to being a Christian, uh, one of the things I really got stuck on was one particular question. How did Christianity begin in the first place? Uh, In AD 29... There was no Christianity. In AD 33, all of a sudden, there was this group of Jews who followed Jesus and they said that he had died and come back to life. And for the next few decades, that's in their lifetime, this group grew larger and larger and larger as the original witnesses travelled around the ancient world telling people what they had seen. And Christians were hated by society at large. Some of the Roman emperors were violently opposed to them. You could be arrested for being a Christian. You could have your house dispossessed. You could be fed to the lions. Why would you stick with Christianity under those circumstances? Uh, The best answer I can think of is that they truly believed they were following a man who had come back to life. And they believed his promise that they too would have eternal life and need not fear death. Uh, as I thought through that, though, I come to another problem, though. But, you know, people will believe anything, won't they? You know, it still could have been made up by those people who just want power and authority. You know, history is full of people who have made up religions which conveniently give them power and prestige. Uh, but, but as I read the Bible, I found this just doesn't really stack up at all. Uh, Paul, who wrote this letter of Romans, he encountered the resurrected Jesus. Uh, And let me read you from the Bible um, the list of benefits which he says he got for being a Christian leader. He says, I received imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less ones. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And then he just keeps going on and on and on with all the suffering and persecution and starvation that he faced. And after all that, Paul was eventually arrested, brought to Rome, put on trial and executed. Why? Because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. 
And of Jesus' 12 disciples, all but one of them were also put to death because they would not stop talking about Jesus. If they just conspired and made up this lie about Christianity, they wouldn't have all died for it, would have they? When people die for something, it shows they sincerely believe it. And when we read the Bible, which is their writings, we see what it was that they sincerely believed. They believed that they saw their friend Jesus die on that first Good Friday. And on that third day, Easter Sunday, they saw him alive again. The best explanation for why Christianity began in the first place is that Jesus rose from the dead. And the solution is to be connected to Jesus and what he did at Easter. Uh, Grab that passage and look at chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Uh, It's a bit confusing. Uh, Baptism is um, something which Christians do, which symbolizes how they have become a Christian. Uh, This normally involves being uh, dunked in water if you're an adult or um, being sprinkled with water if you're a baby. Uh, And Paul here says that baptism points towards something profound. When you choose to follow Jesus, you become connected with him. So much so, you get connected to his death and more. Look at verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus didn't stay dead. Uh, He was raised to life by his glorious heavenly Father. And we are connected to that as well. We too have this newness of life. What does newness of life look like? He goes on in verse 5 to 7. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Newness of life means being reset back to factory conditions. The problem of sin, the slavery to sin, has been dealt with. Uh, I said before, you know, our options are either be set free from sin or stay a slave until we die. Well, God's solution was to set us free by having us die. We died with Jesus, who took our punishment on the cross. Sin is not the master over us anymore. And if we are free from sin, we are also free from its consequences. Everything has been wiped, deleted. Our hard drive has been cleaned right out. We no longer need to feel trapped by guilt. We need no longer to fear judgment. Walking in newness of life means walking into a fresh start where we can leave the guilt and shame of the past behind. And it's going to last forever. 
Verse 9 says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Jesus Christ will never die again. He has defeated death, and the same is true for us. We too have eternal life. As soon as we make this commitment to belong to Jesus, to be connected to him, we start to live in newness of life, and it will never end. Even though we die, one day we will be raised to life again, just like Jesus was. The solution is to be connected to Jesus and what he did at Easter. The solution is to die to sin and to live now in newness of life. What will it be for you? There are two options. Option one, carry on as is. Live life your own way as a slave to sin and face the consequences of God's judgment. Option two, hit the reset button. Be reset to factory conditions. Uh, The way to do this is to turn to Jesus and consciously decide that you're going to follow him no matter what as the one in charge. It, It means putting your trust in Jesus that his death and resurrection... Uh, has dealt with your sin and given you newness of life. It's going to mean constantly turning around from living life your own way to living God's way. If you would like to hit the reset button today, I'm going to finish uh, with a prayer that's printed on your outline. Uh, This prayer, it just pulls together uh, the bits which I've talked about today and it expresses trust in what Jesus has done. Uh, I'm going to read it out right now so you know what it says, uh, and then I'm going to pray it. Uh, If you would like to hit the reset button today, you can join in by repeating the words uh, in your mind as I read them out. Uh, So you know what it says? Uh, Here's the words. It says, Dear God, I know that I have not loved you or obeyed you as I should have. I recognize that I have lived life my own way in rebellion against you. I need your forgiveness. I need you to free me from slavery to sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to take the punishment that I deserved on the cross. Thank you for raising him from the dead so that I might walk in newness of life. Please forgive me, free me from sin, and change me so I may live with Jesus as the one in charge of my life. If you would like to hit reset, why don't you pray along in your mind as I pray it now. Dear God, I know I have not loved you or obeyed you as I should have. I recognize that I have lived life my own way in rebellion against you. I need your forgiveness. I need you to free me from slavery to sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to take the punishment that I deserved on the cross. Thank you for raising him from the dead so that I might walk in newness of life. Please forgive me, free me from sin, and change me so that I may live with Jesus as the one in charge. Amen.